Welcome to the Broken Vessels Podcast. Jeremiah 18.4 states, And the vessel he was making of clay was spoiled in the potter's hand, and he reworked it into another vessel, as it seemed good to the potter to do. This is the Broken Vessels Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Simpkins. This is a podcast where we have discussions on theological themes for the broken to bring encouragement and hope in Christ. And I would like to welcome you back to another edition of the Broken Vessels podcast. And uh, this is a little bit of a second part of a two-parter to a degree because I have returning guests, Emily Elizabeth Anderson, who's on the Shiny Happy People documentary. And we just had her on to talk about coming out of Gothardism and out of one of their main tenets and teachings, patriarchalism. And uh, that's actually what we're going to be talking about today, being broken by patriarchalism. Emily, I just am so thankful that you're back here on the program. Welcome back to the Broken Vessels podcast. Thanks for having me back on. I'm excited for this. Awesome. Okay. And then also we have uh, Jennifer Moody back, a good friend of the show and has been on episode 28 with her husband, Brad, talking about their journey to Jesus. I'm just uh, really grateful for Jen being here. She speaks really well to these issues. And Jen, welcome back to the program. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure. And last but not least, we have Marissa Namir of the Gospel Gal podcast. And all of you know, we had uh, Marissa on with our friend Jeff White talking about biblical counseling on episodes 30 and 31. And uh, you all know Marissa is a licensed professional counselor, and she's also a member of Paramount Church where John Fonville is the pastor. And um, Marissa is just a, just a blessing. Um, I've pointed you guys to her since the very first episode of this podcast because she's such a, an encouragement and a blessing. Marissa, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Josh. All right. Let's get into this because this is a hot topic for a lot of people today. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while because I see it so much in social media on really greater evangelicalism. It's just permeated all over the place. But this idea of patriarchalism, and again, it's cousin complementarianism. And uh, I want to just talk a little bit about this. So from our previous episode on Gothardism, we talked about patriarchal teaching. However, I'd like for us to flesh it out, the nuts and bolts of that ideology even further. So I'm going to start with you, Emily. You explained it pretty well in, in our previous episode, but is it, maybe there's something that you can add to it. And if somebody listens to this as a standalone episode, it might be good for them to be able to just maybe hear a quick recap. But each of you explain what patriarchal teaching is at its core and the tenets of this teaching. And so, uh, Emily, we'll start off with you. Yes. So the foundational teaching of IBLP is the umbrella of authority diagram. And it's a diagram that shows a picture of an umbrella that is supposed to represent God. And then underneath it is an umbrella for the husband. And underneath that is for the wife. And underneath that is for the children. And each person uh, with their umbrella has their own responsibilities. And we were told that if you stepped out from underneath your umbrella or your God-given authority, then that would mean fiery darts of Satan would come come and attack you. Uh, The responsibilities of the man was supposed to be to be the leader of their home and to figure out what God's purpose 
purpose and calling was for their life and to pursue that. The wife's job was to support the calling that was given to the husband. Her job was to raise children and to be a keeper of the home so that her husband was free of those responsibilities and could pursue whatever he felt like his God-given purpose was. And then the children's responsibility was to obey without question. So it's a very rigid system that does not allow for any amount of autonomy or proper boundaries or good questions to ask. It gives you a place and you are not supposed to deviate from that. It does not give people the freedom to think for themselves and to really have personal autonomy over their own life and have a direct relationship with God other than the man no one else in the umbrella system is able to have a direct relationship or have direct communication with God. They have to go through a man first. So, so in a sense, the man is the mediator. Correct. Even though the yes. Bible tells us there's only one mediator between God and man and Christ Jesus. Yeah, I just right. thought I'd bring that in there. Jen, do you have anything that you can add to what Emily said? My thought was that in patriarchy, it essentially makes the wife and children property of the man. They belong to him. He has ultimate say in every aspect of your life. And that is played out even in, um, you know, the courtship where the father is choosing or has a very strong say in who his daughter would marry. In how I was raised, the authority is the father's. And then when the daughter gets married, that authority transfers from the father to the husband. Mm -hmm. Again, essentially making the women and children property of the man. It almost seems to me, though... So going back to the documentary with Jim Bob and his daughters, and when they kind of started doing the second documentary after all everything imploded, the contract thing where these girls were adults, uh, many of the kids were adults and married, but yet somehow Jim Bob was still in charge. Mm-hmm. So is that a thing that happens too, like generationally within families, or was that just more particularly that situation? Yes. An illustration I have is about five years ago, I got a tattoo and my grandfather was very mad. Um, He sent me a very scathing email saying how I should have, I was rebellious and I, I was proving my rebellion by getting a tattoo without having asked his opinion that I should have asked him. And the fact that I didn't, I was rebellious. I may not even be a Christian. I should have asked my pastor for his approval And um, even though I had my husband's okay, it was wrong because my father-in-law, my dad, my grandpa, and my pastor should have all had a say. So basically you have no say over your own body or what you do. (laughs) No. No. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Um, So Marissa, you have done a lot to speak to these issues. You're so helpful. Go ahead and share with our listeners, add to what's already been said, and maybe you can bring some other uh, insights into it. Sure. You know, listening to these two lovely women and the way things are in Gothernism and patriarchy, just listening to it is rather triggering for me. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I grew up in fundamentalism myself, so 
I don't think that anyone in my circles ever would identify within the Christian patriarchy, but it certainly was an unsaid value, I think. And yeah, that was the same thing for me because we're all former fundies here. You know, we're fundies. former fundies anonymous is what we can call ourselves. So I wrote something down as you all were talking. I just said, I think biblical patriarchy, if you want to call it that, is a hierarchical structure giving rule, power, and authority to men and even boys. If you have a boy in a household, he could rule over his mother. Hmm. Um, Men dominate where women and girls are to submit. Identity revolves around authority structures rather than Christ. Mm-hmm. emphasis on family and social dynamics over identity in Christ rather than male and female image bearers as well. That's underemphasized. In fact, I saw in writing somewhere, and I can't give you the context of it because it was so many years ago, where the person was reporting this idea that actually men are created in God's image and women are not. Women are made in man's image. Oh, yeah. And I, I, I could see where they would try to pull that because the whole, you know, she came from Adam's rib, rib and stuff. Yeah. Right. Except that Genesis says male and female created. He, he exactly. Then. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, so, and then education and employment vocations are limited to mostly males. Women are relegated to childbearing and cooking, cleaning, household type chores. And then women and girls are This is quite interesting to me, and I have experienced this myself. Uh, Women and girls are viewed at once as gullible and yet beguiling and seductive. Hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. It sounds about exactly what we've been talking about. You're really dumb, but you have the power to manipulate men. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Well, if that's really the way... They think it is. That's kind of terrifying, (laughs) you know, but we know that's not true. But you have those many and many, many more now because this has really been pushed, especially just in the last several years. And we'll get into that here shortly. But many would disagree with what we're saying, uh, what we're proposing as far as patriarchal teaching. Uh, They believe it's biblical. You know, wives submit to your husbands. Women should be silent in church. We can quote so many different passages, in my opinion, that are being taken out of their context in a biblicist manner and being twisted, which is very common in these types of ideologies, but they believe it's biblical. So how do we answer those critics that say, oh, you guys are just a bunch of egalitarian liberals, when really what we're trying to do is actually be scriptural? And how do we show them from scripture the error of their teaching? And so uh, again, Emily, we'll go ahead and start with you and we'll just go full circle again. Yeah, I spoke a lot on this in the last episode where I believe that we should filter scripture through how God originally created the world and then how we saw Jesus example how to live as believers. In creation, we see that God created Adam and Eve as equals, as co-heirs and as co-rulers of creation. There was no hierarchy structure in God's original design and Adam was was never created to rule over Eve or have any authority over her. Uh, Rather, God designed each individual to be responsible for their own actions and to be accountable to God themselves versus having someone else be accountable for your actions. That's something else that's taught is that men are accountable for their wife's sin, which 
I don't believe in that either. And then we also see what Jesus exampled in his time on earth. And he repeatedly elevated women, respected them as equals, encouraged them to join in ministry. The first individual that he revealed himself to as the Messiah was a woman, and he made her the first evangelist. Uh, It was the woman at the well as she ran into her town and began to proclaim the good news that the Messiah had come. Mm -hmm. And so we see just in those two examples of God's original sign and then Jesus's life on earth that patriarchy is a man-made ideal. And I think it's important to dig into the cultural references to understand the original language when we're looking, for instance, at some of Paul's writings, because I know there's going to be individuals that say, well, what about the verses on submit? Or what about this and that? And there are a lot of mistranslated verses. For instance, the verse on submit, it says that we are to mutually submit to one another. And when you look at verse 21 says to mutually submit to another, you look at verse 20. And a lot of modern translations say that women are supposed to submit to their husband. Submit in the original Greek language does not appear in that verse. Hmm. So there's not an additional command just for women to submit, but rather it's in verse 21. And it is a mutual commandment for believers to submit one to another. Yeah, it's mutual uh, submission. Under Christ. Yeah. It is. It is. And there are so, so many examples to that where you have to understand a lot of Paul's writings were written with cultural references. Sometimes they are mistranslated from the original Greek through patriarchal translations. <laughs> and it's not that there is an error in scripture. I do not believe that scripture has errors in it. I There's just a lot of, a lot of errored men <laughs> that, yes. that, Interpreting yeah, it. that so interpret that, things through if, a but grid. If you go to the original language and understand how the verses are structured and what words are actually found in those verses, they line up with what we saw Jesus' example and how God originally created the earth. Well, and I do also think, too, many times what happens, again, like I said earlier, verses are taken out of their context, which we call biblicism here. It's a rampant thing, especially in fundamentalist uh, teaching and uh, many of these other tenets that come out from it. If you read all of Ephesians chapter 4, and then you get to Ephesians chapter 5, and you're thinking to yourself, that woman better submit to me now. You missed something. (laughs) You missed the whole thing, because... Ephesians chapter 4 is how we're all to treat one another as image bearers and as believers in the body of Christ. Jen, how would you approach somebody that disagrees with you on what we're saying here? Somebody that says, well, look, look, Scripture says this. This is the way God created it. Read this book. How would you respond? Something that comes to mind is you have to look at the Bible and understand that there are many things that are described that are not necessarily prescribed. Yeah, and, that's a good point. Um, yes, patriarchy may be part of the Bible, but it is written in a descriptive manner. It is not written in a prescriptive, meaning this is how you are supposed to live. It's simply describing the culture of the day. Right. There's another aspect of this where people tend to take the word head and make it mean authority. And I just don't see that 
in scripture, if you are not taking only those particular verses, if you are looking at the Bible as a whole, looking at those verses, like you said, even within the context of the surrounding chapter or chapters, you will not see that head equals authority because in so many other passages of scripture, they talk about not lording over others, um, that there is no male or female or slave or master like fully against one person having authority over another, but much talk of love and service and submitting one to another. So you can't just say, well, look, it says he's ahead. I think you really need to define that. And I know other people have done a lot more you know, in-depth study as to what had means in the original Greek, and it is not discussing authority. Marissa, what, what do you have to add to uh, the answer to this question? Um, how, how would you answer someone who disagrees with what we're saying? I really love what both Emily and Jennifer had to say already. You're asking this question, and I'm going to take a, a little different approach to this. You asked, how would you approach somebody who does this? I wouldn't. Yeah. I think I've had this conversation with Jen and her husband, Brad, before, but I just, I believe that God has gifted us in different ways, as individuals, as God's image bearers. We have personality differences. We have temperament differences. We have different areas of gifting. Not every man is going to share the same traits with another man. Not every woman is going to share the same traits as another woman. So I think that each marriage is as individual as the person themselves, the couple as individual as the people who make up the marriage, the family, the church, whatever it is. And I think that it is a disservice to the church to relegate women to specific quote unquote gender roles. And I believe that it's extra biblical to say that this is all that a woman can do. If a woman has the ability to gift the church by handling finances in the church, and there's no man in the church that can do that skill or that office, why in the world would you not utilize that woman's service to the church if she was willing to do it? Well, in my opinion, even if if there maybe there is a man, but maybe the woman's just better at it, (laughs) (laughs) which my wife would be way better at it than me. So Exactly. So I think that a lot of this is extra biblical nonsense. And are women called to submit to their husbands? Absolutely. Are men called to hear an opinion from their wives? I think so. Yeah. Women were created as helpers. That's what Genesis says. Why in the world would you not listen to someone who has been given to you to help you? Right. Again, going back to the mutual submission idea, which is what we see from Scripture, that we're to mutually submit to one another. And as Jen said, as the Bible says, there's neither male nor female. We are all one in Christ. So uh, we're all priests and priestesses. We're all kings and queens. Uh, We are all sons and daughters. Not one of us has more clout than the other one with God. We are all, like you just said, that just the individuality, Marissa, of each one of us. That's what being an image bearer is. And to have this idea that somehow there is this hierarchy is just ludicrous because you don't see that in scripture at all when it comes to our relationship with God in Jesus Christ. We just do not see that. Like Jen said, you see descriptions of seeing some of that, but that's because we're in a broken, fallen world. 
and men are going to do what men do sin and do things that are not proper. But in the long run, we are all one in Christ. So patriarchal teaching has brought much brokenness to people. I mean, we shared in our last episode the kind of brokenness that it brings. I've shared before on this podcast how I believe that both for men and women and for children, it brings so much brokenness. It destroys lives. It destroys marriages. It destroys church communities. I'd like each of you to give some examples of how you've seen brokenness brought by this teaching. And again, we'll go right around and we'll start with Emily and and then go to Jen and then to Marissa. I've seen this a lot in how these patriarchal churches handle abuse. Uh, Domestic violence is a incredibly common problem uh, in churches. Nationwide, the statistics are about one in four women are victims of domestic violence. I would say that it is possible that even in the church, it is higher because these patriarchal churches have a way of enabling and protecting abusers and silencing and shunning women who attempt to seek help. So that is really where I've seen this become very, very dangerous. You can have a couple that says they practice complementarianism. If you've got a man who truly cherishes his wife, I could say you could make a relationship work if you know, if you try to follow complementarianism, if you have two individuals who really respect one another and want to give equal voice to each other, you're not really practicing complementarianism, but a lot of people say they are when they're not actually doing right, it. Right, yeah. <laughs> but you can have that. I would say that is rare. I would say much, much more common is a home where there is a severe power imbalance and you've got a woman who is a victim of an abusive man and she is being told again and again by the church that she just needs to submit more and be a more of a godly example to her husband and she will have a positive influence over her husband uh, if he's doing anything wrong you just need to be his cheerleader you need to show him more respect and adoration and he will become the man that god wanted him to be if you are just a good enough wife And again and again, women are left in horribly abusive situations. They are told there is no way out, that there is absolutely no reason for divorce. Some churches allow divorce for adultery. Very few churches allow divorce for abuse, certainly not emotional or verbal abuse or psychological abuse. And I fully believe that abuse is grounds for divorce because it's Divorce is not breaking of the marriage covenant. It is the abuse that broke the marriage covenant. Exactly. It's illegal paperwork. Exactly allowed for the protection of the victim. Yes. And so, yeah, abuse is really where the patriarchal system takes the most effect on women and gives the most power to men and really aggravates the problem of an abusive relationship. Yeah, and I I would like to add, some people may be on here and are like, oh, well, there's no physical abuse going on in this marriage, and we believe in patriarchalism. I would venture to say there's more than just physical abuse that goes on. There's emotional abuse. There's spiritual abuse. There's mental abuse. Really on both sides, especially if both parties are like all in on the ideology. Like what you're saying, abuse for the woman where where she's being abused. And you're right, there's a, a power imbalance. But then on the other hand, for the man, he almost gets pushed into it sometimes too 
Now, this isn't always. I'm just saying from my own experience as a man who was kind of brought up thinking this way, you are constantly being told you need to be more manly. You need to be more masculine. And and one of you guys, I don't know which one of you said something that resonated with me, but the whole idea of, and it was you, Emily, you said the wife's sin is not the man's fault. That's not what I was always told. I was always told that if my wife is in sin, then it's my fault because I'm not being a good enough leader. I'm not leading her well, or if she's not, and then again, here, here comes the whole thing, like where you got these leaders coming to you and being like, your wife isn't submitting. That's your fault. You're not doing enough to make her submit. And so they get all this like pressure heaped onto them. And I'm sorry, but man, dude, like these leaders, they're literally like grooming men to be abusers. Truthfully, that's how I feel. It's, it's like grooming men, especially young men. Think about a young man and a young woman getting into a marriage and they're in this soup, this mess of patriarchalism. Number one, you're both immature. You don't know what you're doing. All you know is what you've been told. And then you have these leaders coming in, pressuring you. It's not a surprise that abuse happens. It's just not a surprise. And it's, it, it is that man's fault. Abusers are responsible for their own actions. But it's just like you said, like where they're grooming women, these leaders coming in, grooming women to be sexually abusive to them. They're grooming men to be abusive to women. It's awful. Jen, can you share an add to uh, what Emily just said about the teaching and the things that you've seen? Yeah, I agree. I was going to mention the abuse as well. Some of that is from my own experience, having been in an abusive marriage and feeling trapped like there was nowhere to go. The people I would talk to or the books I would read basically just told me I needed to submit more. If I was sensual enough and gave my husband enough sex, he would be happy. (laughs) Like that is the advice that is given. And I have women message me often. Um, I have personal in real life friends that I have talked to that they are in abusive situations and they feel trapped. They're told that they can't leave. And I mean, I have one friend who's in an abusive marriage that she said, as abusive as my husband is, at least I still recognize his headship. And it's like, (laughs) um, no, no. And that same person has gone to her pastor and mentioned the abuse. And I have personally been on the phone with her when her husband was banging on the door and screaming. I have witnessed that. And her pastor has told her she needs to stop saying that she's abused unless she has a police report. Those types of things I see more than I care to admit all over the place. And it's, it's in Christian writings. It's in our pastors, you know, even from the pulpit, just constantly talking about the headship of the man and the submission of the woman and talking about, you know, our society and how divorce is so rampant. Um, I've heard a pastor talk about how divorce is never okay. And if you think that it's even okay in the case of adultery, then you need to go read the story of um, Hosea and Gomer again. Again, taking something that's descriptive and making it prescriptive once again. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Marissa, do you have anything that you would like to add to what you've seen in the way that this teaching has affected um, a lot of people in the church? 
Yes, I was going to go with the abuse route too, and that's the most extreme, but unfortunately, probably the most pervasive, just this this abuse of authority, which can translate into any area of life, whether it's financial, as we saw with the Duggars, emotional, spiritual, sexual, whatever the case may be. So that's the main thing, but that's been discussed. So I'll move into another area. This is something that I think a lot about because I do have advanced education. I do have a career. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I don't know how many years ago I was actually interacting with some people on social media and I had been asking, where is a college or a university that leans more Calvinistic or Reformed? And I received a response from a couple of guys who were probably in their early 20s, who asked me why in the world my daughters would need to go to university when they should just be learning how to manage a home and, you know, produce children for a man. Hmm. And, you know, call me a feminist. That's fine. I believe that God has created us individually with our own giftings, our own talents, and that is not by mistake. Mm-hmm. And I do not believe that women should be relegated to just one task. I had children. I, I'm married. I've been married for 32 years. My daughters, I have three daughters and a granddaughter. I strongly encourage my daughters to utilize all the strengths and gifts that God has given them. Amen. Even if you are married, fully submissive, whatever that means to your husband, What if your husband ends up disabled or dies? Are you going to rely on the church? I mean, in theory, I've actually heard that encouraged. I think I've heard that, that the the authority then transfers to the church. Yeah. So, yeah, I seriously doubt from what I've seen in churches throughout my entire life that that's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. So you're going to end up working at McDonald's flipping burgers and, you know, Lord bless you. If that's what you have to do to take care of yourself, do it. But if you had the gift to be a doctor, a lawyer, a pharmacist, whatever, and you didn't use your skills because you're a woman, I'm sorry for you. I really am. And if a man has put you in the position, that position, then God bless his pointed little heart. I'll tell you what, right now, my wife is a nurse in UK Children's Hospital. I'm a truck driver. (laughs) She makes way more money than I do. I mean, I do all right. She has way more education than I do. You know, I just went to Bible college and seminary, you know, which, you know, I have different kind of education, but I mean, she was just taking some classes recently and I'm looking at some of the stuff she's looking at and it all looked like Greek to me. (laughs) In other words, it just like, look like nonsense. It's like, man, I look at my wife and I respect her so much. I look up to her so much because of her intelligence and her ability. I can't tell you. (laughs) And it's because... She is that unique individual that has all of those strengths. In our marriage, we are just mutually submissive to one another. We follow the Ephesians 4 model, (laughs) which the Ephesians 5 model is based off of. It's, again, it's that mutual uh, love and submission, and we're a team. It's not one over the other. We are a team. Man, there are so many things she is way better at than I am. I think this whole idea of this authoritarian ideology is just really bad. But here's the problem. This stuff is really, again, I said earlier, it's really gained steam in the broader evangelical church. We're seeing it 
in more than just fundamentalist cults now. We're seeing it in what I would say in most cases are Orthodox churches, but it is really gaining steam. And I think a lot of it has to do with, you know, cultural reasons. You know, we have people like Doug Wilson, and I I hate to say this, I made a tweet yesterday where I commented on something, and somebody was saying something about Bill Gothard, and somebody had related something about Doug Wilson. I tweeted this, I said, Doug Wilson is this generation's Bill Gothard, stay away. (laughs) And so and we've talked about Doug on this program before. We've talked about Moscow. We've talked about some of the other groups like, you know, John Piper, you know, some of the things that I've heard him write about marriage just are so cringe. But John Piper's this so-called reform guy that everybody loves, you know, and same thing with Vody Bauckham. I just saw something the other day where he's starting to promote And I've always known he was permanent's view of marriage and all that, but this patriarchal teaching is more than just IFB or Gothardism or whatever. So Marissa, you've, you've shared a lot in, you know, different posts that I've seen online and things like that. Can you kind of help our listeners to know how to look for this and and where you've seen it within broader evangelicalism? Because you you speak real well to this. I've seen it almost in every environment church environment that I've been in. Um, And unfortunately, like I said, in the IFB, it's rampant. You've said that as well. It's in in reform circles. It's in non-reform circles. It doesn't matter. Wherever people can use power and authority to their advantage to manipulate other people, that's what they're going to do. And, you know, it can take on different forms and varieties, even among people who would claim to be complementarian. And again, I can't document this, but you can find it online. Actually, R.C. Sproul was a proponent. He took a a minority view on this, but he believed in women as deaconess. Yeah, yeah. That was shot down by the PCA. Mm -hmm. And I had a pastor say to me, oh, that's a slippery slope. I hear this all the time. Um, That's a slippery slope to have women because the next thing you know, you're going to have lesbians and homosexual men as pastors in the churches. Maybe today, but certainly decades ago, the same thing would be said of a black person having a position of authority. Yeah, You can't equate those two things. And my own pastor, I think, you know, he takes a strong position on men only being in the office of the priest or the, the presbyter or the pastor. I can be on board with that. But when you shift to say a woman can't be a servant yeah. in a church... And it, you know, in a capacity that Phoebe herself held <laughs> in Scripture, what do you? That's really problematic. It's yeah. it's really sad. And again, that goes to vocation, right? How can we serve using our guts? Yeah, and I mean, there's some women out there that are way better worship leaders than any man, you know, can be. I mean, there, there, there's no reason why a woman shouldn't be able to get up in the pulpit and read the Scripture. She's, she can read. Yeah, she can read, and there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> We've already kind of talked about what the answer is, you know, wh- what we see biblically as far as, like, what we think the proper paradigm should be, that we're all mutual submission to one another, bringing glory to Christ. I guess my last question for all three of you is this. What can we do to bring awareness to those that are trapped within this ideology how can we help them? Uh, Marissa, you said, you know, I'm not going to go to somebody and try to argue with them. And I agree with you. 
and nine times out of 10, most of the people that are patriarchal, that's all they want to do is argue. <laughs> so I'm totally down with you on that. I don't like, in fact, they're like the worst people to argue with ever. But what about somebody who like, they're confused. Okay. We have people that come on the Theocast Facebook group all the time. They're so confused. They're coming out of all this stuff and they, they need help. I want each of you to share what resources that you think that we can point our listeners to, to help them have a better understanding of what God actually prescribes for us as men, women, children, etc., and and authority, the, the authority structure, even church-wise and on down the line. Share any resources that you can that we can point people to. And obviously, thrivingforward.org, we can point them straight there, uh, at least to help with uh, trauma advocacy and, and things like that. But Emily, I'm going to start with you. What resources have you seen? Obviously, in your work and what you've come out of, you probably have a pretty good connection to a lot of good resources. I have too many. I couldn't say them all. But <laughs> some of my absolute favorites is the Eden podcast. Um, and there's a book that ties along with that too by Bruce Flemings and his wife, Joy, that did her dissertation on the creation story and, and Genesis and the fall. And his entire podcast really helps you break down what happened in the garden with Eve and whether or not she was deceived or whether or not she was cursed. The Eden podcast will help you understand that women were not cursed in the garden. The ground was cursed and the serpent was cursed. Women were not cursed. And unfortunately, those that believe women were cursed will have carried that all (laughs) throughout pretty much the beginning of time and have used that as a way to make women inferior and say that they need direction from a man. So the Eden podcast is an excellent resource for understanding biblical equality in both the Old and New Testament. Something else that I was thinking of as we were talking about where we find abuse, where we find the devastating effects of this teaching. And another instance came to mind that I deal with on a daily basis with my work with Thriving Forward is the sexual intimacy relationship between a husband and wife, because husbands are also taught that they have ownership over their wife. And conveniently, there's another verse where it's mutual, but most individuals don't see it as mutual. And it's where um, the husband has authority over the wife's body and the wife has authority over the husband's body. They only want to quote the first half of the verse and they don't, they don't want to make it mutual, but it is mutual. And really that verse is just stating that when you're married, you, you are, you should freely give of one and, you know, yourself to each other. um, As long as there is safety in that relationship. But unfortunately with the combination of men being told they own their wife's body, also men, are taught that that God designed them with a higher sex drive than women, which is not true. No, it's not um, true. <laughs> and that they have this uncontrollable lust. And if they do not have sex every 72 hours, then they're just, they're not going to be able to handle it. Then they're going to fall into sin and it's going to be the wife's fault. So unfortunately, I see these, I get messages from women every day who are suffering 
because they are, they don't believe that they can say no to their husband sexually. And it's, and that is what is considered marital rape when you have non-consensual sex and they don't understand that. And they believe that it's consensual because they're agreeing to it, but really what it is is coerced. So one of my absolute favorite resources on biblical sexuality is by uh, Sheila Gregoire. She wrote a book called The Great Sex Rescue that where she did a study of over 20,000 Christian women and their experiences with some of the top Christian books of the last 20 or 30 years. And this includes The Power of the Praying Wife, Love and Respect. I think Michael and Debbie's Pearl book might be in there. There's, there's several of the most popular marriage books that they pulled like the top ones in that category on Amazon. And they, they did this survey with 20,000 women and they said, how have these teachings that have permeated Christian culture and the church for the last 30 years, how have they actually affected your marriage? And across the board, these books did terribly and they enabled abuse and really silenced these women who were in terrible situations. And Sheila takes her book and she lays out what she sees in scripture of how an intimate relationship between husband and wife should be fully mutual, fully respectful, completely safe for both partners. So that is a huge resource that I think so many women in the church need to hear because they've been told lies again and again about God's design for sex and what it should mean to a woman. All right. Well, that's great. Thanks for sharing that. Jen, I see you reading a book probably every other day. So, <laughs> Yes, I have probably too many to name. One of the books that comes to mind, well, I was going to mention The Great Sex Rescue as well. That was really pivotal for both my husband and I. Another book that I would highly recommend is Jesus and Gender by Elias Fitzpatrick and Eric Schumacher. And that was probably the most gospel focused book I've read on the topics you know, of, of gender and how to relate to one another, not only in marriage, but as brothers and sisters in Christ. Right. And it does not in any way give a model. They are very like balanced as far as we're just going to look at the example of Jesus. All right. So, so helpful. Someone else, and I have a blog post that I wrote that I just put a whole bunch of resources together on this topic because there's too many to name. Okay. Um, well, we, we can put that blog post in the show notes as well, just to, so people okay, can go sure. ahead and click on the links. Sure. I can send that to you. A lot of information by Todd Bordeaux has been so helpful for me. Uh, His episodes on the husband and wife and men and women in the church. And that would be the Kaisis podcast, correct? He does host the podcast Kaisis. However, these are episodes from the glory cloud. The glory cloud. Yeah. yeah, Previously. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then also following Sam Powell on Facebook. Oh yeah. Um, Those, those were the, some of the people that really, really benefited me. Yeah. Sam Powell is a great guy. He he posted something the other day that man, that I think everybody needed to hear it. It was so good. But I'm I'm hoping to have him on sometime very soon. Um, last thing is Diane Langberg. Oh yeah, anything yeah. you can read from Diane Langberg. She's the one that wrote that book about um, 
it's something about suffering, but she talks about the suffering in the heart of God. Yes. Yes. That is a good book. I'm reading it right now. Yeah. And redeeming power. And both of those I think should be must reads for anyone wanting to be in any sort of leadership position in the church. But I think also lay people, everyone should read those books. Yeah. Okay. Great resources. Okay, Marissa. Well, I know that you always have a lot of really good resources that you share online and, and things, but uh, what, what are some things that we can use to just to point people to get the help that they need to be able to understand these things. Well, obviously, if you find yourself in a situation like this and you start to question, it's difficult to speak with people in your circles. Yeah. If you're under the impression that you maybe possibly might be being involved in an abusive situation. So I would recommend that contact is made with a professional counselor. Yeah. So that's the first thing I had to offer. And then there are multiple books that I would recommend, but I just mentioned two. Rachel Green Miller, Beyond Authority and Submission, is a great resource. She also has a blog, Daughter of the Reformation. It's a blog post. And then Amy Bird has multiple books dealing with this topic, Recovering from Biblical Womanhood and Manhood. Yeah, And then there's Housewife Theologian, Why Can't We Be Friends? That has to do with male-female relationships in the church. Those are all great resources. Right. And I would recommend to folks, you know, come be on the Broken Vessels podcast Facebook group, be a part of that. And then also the Theocast Facebook group, which um, I've told you that, that that's how we all got connected. We love the Theocast ministry. But uh, there's been a lot of these kinds of discussions there, too, and it's a safe place. The thing about if you're questioning these things and you're trying to understand, you need a safe place to talk about it. More than likely, if you go to your pastor and you're steeped in this stuff, he's going to tell you, oh, no, don't listen to those people. They're liberals and they're going off the deep end like the rest of the culture. Yeah, that's not what you need. (laughs) We're a safe place for you to come and talk about it. We're not going to tell you, oh, you must believe the way that we believe. No, not at all. We're not going to tell you that. We're going to tell you, just tell us what you're thinking about, and then we're going to show you what we've learned, and then hopefully, Lord willing, it will help you, because that's what we're all about here. Theological themes for the broken to bring hope and encouragement in Christ. I love what Emily shared about how we look at the example of Jesus. We look at how Jesus treated people. We look at Paul, too. I mean, Paul with Lydia, you know, and Phoebe, as Marissa had said. And you don't see in Scripture what patriarchalism promotes. What you see is something aberrant that's been twisted. And brothers and sisters in Christ, some of you are probably hotly disagreeing with me right now, yelling at your radio. I guarantee you there's somebody listening to this right now that is about ready to punch a hole in the wall. Number one, if that's your reaction, that should be a red flag. Number two, You need to think long and hard about this. We have three women here, right here, that are telling you we have experienced extreme abuse at the hands of this kind of ideology. If that's the case, there is something wrong with that way of thinking. All right? That's a huge red flag. You know, if you see somebody running into a burning building and they're just standing there in the burning building and and, and you're, you're yelling at them, get out of the burning building and... But you just want to stay there and you're like, oh, no, you guys are a bunch of liberals. I don't want to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> Man, dude, the, the building's going to burn down and eventually you're going to get burned. In a sense, that's what we're trying to prevent here. We don't want you to get burned the way that these women have been burned, the way that I've been burned. Unfortunately, we live in a broken world. 
We, we've made that very clear on this podcast. We live in a broken, fallen world as a result of the curse of sin. But we have new life in Christ, and there's a new way in Christ, and it's not patriarchalism. Sisters, it has been so awesome having you guys here today to have this conversation. Um, Emily, uh, what a joy and a blessing uh, for you to connect with us. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. appreciate it. And uh, for all of you, uh, thrivingforward.org, we shared uh, on our last podcast how you can reach out to Emily. She has wonderful resources on her uh, uh, on her website, and um, you can connect with her also on Facebook, search Thriving Forward. And then, Jen, I want to thank you again for coming on again. It's It's really been wonderful having your perspective. Thank you so much. I always enjoy it. Um, And I wanted to mention that I do also have a Facebook group for women only called Purely and Graciously His, um, where we've discussed a lot of the things talked about today in that group. Um, And it's a very safe place. And I also have a blog, Purely and Graciously His, at .blogspot.com. Yes. And can can I say anything about the other thing? Sure. Okay. Uh, Jen has been approached to actually write a book. And so she's kind of in the works on that. And so we're pretty excited about that. And so I, I get to be the first podcast. <laughs> so, <laughs> and Marissa Namir of the Gospel Gal podcast, uh, just a great friend. Marissa, is there anything uh, that you'd like to share with anyone to, for people to be able to connect with you? Well, I would love it if we have any listeners in Georgia or Florida, if they find themselves in need of of any professional counseling, they can reach out to me. If you want to provide my contact information for Facebook, that's fine. I can't see people who are personal friends of mine, even just connected through Facebook. But if you're not connected or you know someone else who might benefit from counseling, they're looking for a counselor, they can reach out to me if they're Georgia or Florida resident. Amen. And of course, look up the the podcast. Thanks for mentioning it. Yeah. Josh, and yeah. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate your topics and your heart for God's people. Amen. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ, just keep your eyes on Christ. And we've shared many, many resources with you. Again, really think about what we've just talked about. Thank you so much for joining us for the Broken Vessels podcast, and we'll see you next week.